This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we're delighted to be joined by Kimberly Yee, the State Treasurer of Arizona. Kimberly Yee is Arizona's Chief Banking and Investment Officer and oversees the cash management of Arizona's $53 billion state budget and payments to agencies, local governments, and schools. Born and raised in Arizona, Treasurer Kimberly Yee is the first Asian American elected to a statewide office in Arizona's history. Kimberly Yee served as Senate Majority Leader and became the second woman elected to this position in Arizona's history, following U.S. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who served the position in 1973, 44 years earlier. Treasurer Yee, we thank you for taking time and joining us this morning on America's Roundtable. Welcome, Treasurer Yee. Welcome, Treasurer Yee. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be with you today. This past summer, Ben and Jerry's announced its plans to boycott the West Bank settlements, also known as Judea and Samaria, and in Israel and Jewish neighborhoods in East Jerusalem, by refusing to allow its products to be sold in those areas. The move was initially a great boost to the boycott, divestment, and sanctions group known as the BDS movement. The anti-Semitic BDS movement over the last decade has targeted the global company based in Vermont and owned by Unilever, the British food company and other major brands around the world. One such leader who took bold action and not just issuing public statements was Arizona's Treasurer Kimberly Yee, who in early September announced she was withdrawing state investments from a conglomerate that owns Ben and Jerry's. Treasurer Yee, could you share with us your decision to take the stand in supporting the sovereign state of Israel on the economic front and the value of these investments withdrawn from the company owning Ben and Jerry's? Yes. This summer, as you know, Ben and Jerry's, which is a woke corporation, made the decision that they would remove their business from the West Bank. And this boycott of Israel would remove the manufacturing company that they have used for over 30 years to make ice cream. We found this to be extremely disturbing. Why? Because this was discriminatory, anti-Semitic, and wrong. I stand with Israel and have stood with Israel for many years. And the decision for Ben and Jerry's to make this move caused my office as the state treasurer to immediately communicate with Unilever, their parent company, about this anti-BDS law that Arizona has had on the books. I voted for that measure back in 2016 when I served in the Arizona State Senate. And this would prohibit any state funds going to those 
um, entities that boycott Israel. This anti-BDS legislation allowed us to continue forward with what I believed was the right thing to do. We removed $143 million from Unilever, Ben & Jerry's parent company, and immediately following that divestment of our state's funds, immediately following our decision, other states followed, including Texas, New Jersey, and Florida with their divestments of their public funds. This was particularly interesting because when we spoke with Unilever and shared with them our anti-BDS legislation, we indicated that they would have some options. One would be for them to immediately change their course of action or to divest themselves of oversight of Ben & Jerry's. They chose to do nothing. And so I gave them that ultimatum. And because they chose not to make any change in their policy, this was the only thing that we would have as our option, which was divestment of all of our public funds. This was a national movement that Arizona led because these other states immediately followed. And what we have seen in that is that these types of corporations that are going to follow alongside these liberal woke policies will have accountability, not only to the people, but the individuals who manage public funds are paying close attention and other states will surely follow. This is a very commendable that you actually led in withdrawing or divesting $143 million from Ben and Jerry. Actually, in 2016, as part of our Jerusalem Leader Summit delegation, Joel and I spearheaded a visit with elected officials from America and Europe to the Barkan Industrial Park in Judea and Samaria, as we said, also known as the West Bank. Some 160 factories in the area were providing 7,000 jobs with Arabs representing 60% of the workforce. They received 300% higher salaries than their fellow nationals under Hamas in Gaza. And the unemployment rate among the Arabs was at 60% in Gaza versus 16% in Judea and Samaria. So the actions by Ben and Jerry and similar entities which are involved in this anti-Semitic BDS movement are not representing the interest of Jews, Arabs, or the U.S. taxpayers. That's absolutely right. And the Ben and Jerry's decision not only is morally wrong, I believe that it will ultimately become clear that it is commercially wrong. Israel is and will continue to be a major trading partner with so many states, including Arizona. And as Arizona's chief banking and investment officer, I stand with Israel and I will not allow taxpayer dollars to go towards these anti-Semitic discriminatory efforts against Israel and its sovereignty. And, you know, when you take a look at these types of uh, corporations that are being pressured to stop business with Israel, we have to send the message to stand firm and do not cave in to these types of activists. They are trying to break away the sovereignty and the economic viability of Israel. And so by doing these types of BDS movements, it's an ongoing attack against the legitimacy of Israel and its right to exist. These types of supporters by the BDS movement, they want to erase Israel. And one of their methods is pressuring corporations to stop commercial business, undermining 
Israel's strong economy. And in my opinion, I believe that other elected officials across this great country should do the same as Arizona and show their support of Israel and immediately divest any funds with these types of woke corporations, including Unilever, um, which is the parent company of Ben & Jerry's. On a relevant note, Arizona State Treasurer Kimberly has affirmed the strong ties between Arizona and Israel and has been supportive of Israeli bonds. Treasurer Yi, could you kindly share with us your leadership efforts on this front and the amount invested by the state of Arizona in Israeli bonds? Yes, and many states, including Arizona, have in their state treasuries um, an obligation to invest with only U.S.-based companies. And so in 2014, Arizona had to go back to the legislative process and have a bill put forward through um, committees and then ultimately signed into law by the governor that would exempt Israel from those types of other foreign companies so that we can invest in Israel bonds. And this effort was done so many years ago that it allowed me as the state treasurer, now sitting in its office, to purchase Israel bonds as, again, a show of support of our longtime friend and ally Israel. And so we now have, over the years, invested Arizona funds with $30 million of Israel bonds. And again, it really is something that I have continued to uh, show support of including communicating with my fellow state treasurers across the country to let them know how easy it is for them to do the same. Again, in their show, show of strong support of our longtime friend and ally, but they, they may need to go through the same measures that Arizona had to do so many years ago, which was, you know, look at where they are allowed to invest in, in certain corporations and certain types of bonds. And if there are limitations like Arizona used to have, well, you can exempt Israel bonds and allow for the state to move forward with investing. It's so important for us to ensure that we are supportive in so many ways, and not just to say that we are, but to show it with our actions. Treasurer Yi, as the state treasurer of Arizona and joined by credit unions in Arizona, you sent a letter on September 30 to Senator Kristen Sinema and Senator Mark Kelly, who are representing Arizona in the U.S. Senate, to oppose the proposal requiring credit unions and banks to give citizens personal account information to the IRS if the account exceeds $600 of deposits or withdrawals. This proposal was tucked in the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill, also known as social infrastructure bill. In your letter, you stated that this proposal would threaten the financial security of more than 100 million Americans from all demographics and that Congress should not approve the IRS to have access to law-abiding Arizona personal financial transactions in a blatant attempt to tax them unnecessarily. Treasurer Yi, could you kindly share your thoughts about this unprecedented government overreach and intrusion which is reminiscent of communist command and control regimes? We see every day by the current administration that they are taking away our individual liberties. Every day we see that um, there is government surveillance happening. Then this is a perfect example of another situation coming from Washington, D.C., as they are currently under consideration of a proposal contained in the Build Back Better spending plan. As you know, this bill would uh, take away our citizens' privacy rights in their financial statements. Uh, the proposal would require 
other banking institutions, credit unions around the country to hand over financial records to the IRS. The Internal Revenue Service would be able to oversee your personal and business financial transactions of $600 or more in a calendar year. That is the largest data mining exercise in United States history. It's wrong. And I have come out opposing this bill to ensure the privacy rights of all American citizens. The Biden administration says that they're trying to, you know, take a look at the highest earners, you know, that top 1%, uh, cracking down on wealthy tax evaders. This is not the case at all. When you look at $600 in and out of transactions and withdrawals, and, you know, that is an everyday American um, bank account, including many low-income individuals having transactions of $600 in and out throughout their bank accounts. This is an attack on the privacy rights of everyday Americans, and we have to come together state by state to ensure that this government overreach does not pass um, in its current form. And I have personally you know, joined alongside other state treasurers and other states to share the same message. Please oppose this legislation. Again, it is uh, really goes beyond the stretch of our, um, you know, our constitutional rights. Um, the Fourth Amendment here is um, being violated, and we absolutely need to write to our U.S. senators, our congresspeople, the Biden administration, as this is currently being discussed on the Hill as we speak. Treasurer Yi, in a new statement this past week, the Treasury changed its proposed tax reporting threshold for bank accounts inflows and outflows to $10,000, saying that financial accounts with money flowing in and out that totals less than $10,000 annually are not subject to any additional reporting. However, it's not really consistent with the whole discussion because the discussion of $600 wasn't understood initially as annual amount, but as a flat one-time amount. So does it change anything? It's actually a principle because there is already mm-hmm. a requirement for banks to report daily aggregate cash transactions of $10,000 or more under anti-money laundering rules. So all this is just surveillance, as you mentioned. Absolutely. It really is not only government surveillance, but, you know, our Fourth Amendment protects our right to these types of privacy. The $10,000 threshold, it's still a person's personal financial records um, or their business transaction. Who is to say that the government should have any oversight into our bank accounts, no matter what the amount is? And again, this is America. And we see every day that our individual liberties are at stake. Look at these other countries around the world. That's how they govern, but not America. And when we see these individual proposals, one by one, it feels like every week we see another, we really have to stand up and show that political courage, those of us who are in public office. And individuals around the country should be active in ensuring that these are not the principles of America. And so what we, you know, what we can do in the meantime, this proposal is under consideration. It has not yet passed. And I am optimistic that if we join together around the country, state by state, we will be able to oppose this proposal. Um, Again, this is a privacy issue. It is a breach of our, um, you know, personal financial transactions being overseen by a federal government. And it's so wrong. 
Treasury Yi, Americans have real concerns about inflation impacting their standard of living, with skyrocketing prices of food and gas adversely affecting the middle class and the working poor of our nation. The U.S. inflation accelerated last month and rose by 5.4%, at the highest rate in over a decade. Now, there is a debate. Is it a permanent or temporary? Temporary being because of pandemic-induced supply chain restrictions. So, Treasury Yi, what is your advice to the Fed in order to curtail or slow down the increase in prices? Yeah, we have seen dramatic increases. You just go to the grocery store and you see the prices have changed in our food. And we look at the gas prices and it's atrocious. And I'm, I feel horribly for those who are on limited single income budgets um, who will have to make some significant changes in their way of life because they can't afford going in their transportation in their own cars anymore. Again, taking away what we had going for so many years, which was economic economic viability that has changed dramatically in a very short period of time. There's lots of reasons. Um, I personally believe there's accountability in the people that we elect making significant decisions that are not anti-growth. And those who make decisions um, that only look in the present and not in long-term growth. In Arizona, we have elected some really good, strong, conservative fiscally accountable leaders so that when I look at our operating budget every day as the Arizona state treasurer, we were at over 50% higher year over year in our operating balance. And just in this week alone, we and, and that shows that for me here in Arizona, we've been blessed with leaders who have looked at the long-term accountability from the fiscal side so that we can be in a good survival mood, you know, a move right now where we have other things happening around the country and we can stay a little more stable than many other states around us because we did look to the future and prepare for this. From the rainy day funds that we have in our state operating balances to be have money available there for that rainy day, um, these are all things that we hope that we will elect when we um, find these conservatives across the country, that we would be able to take a look at their policies so that we would be prepared for these types of fiscal outcomes. Indeed, uh, Treasury, you have, uh, along with your colleagues and leaders in the state of Arizona, have advanced pro-growth solutions. And we see that with individuals uh, from across America moving to the great state of Arizona. And uh, what is your advice to other state leaders across the country from the examples that you have on advancing pro-growth solutions, uh, keeping taxes low, making sure that economic freedom is right up there on the top of your list? It's certainly an example to the rest of the country, and people are moving to Arizona. It's so true, and our growth has uh, just boomed over the years from neighboring states that are highly regulated, that are highly taxed. And so it's very, very clear why people are fleeing those states from around the country with those types of government approaches. We believe in freedom here in Arizona, and we do believe that from the business side, we should have lower taxes. We should have less regulation. We should not have red tape at the bureaucratic government level. We should allow businesses to open their doors freely. And their private sector, there should be a fine line between the government and the private sector. I come from a long family line of small business owners. My grandfather opened his first grocery store in the 1930s in Arizona. So I understand Incredible. what it's like. Yeah, and it stood on the same corner for 63 years. And 
So, you know, I come from the perspective as a leader to understand what it takes for mom and pops to keep their doors open. And I know that it's pretty simple. First, you never spend more than you make. Two, Mm -hmm. you ensure that you stay engaged when it comes time for election season, that people look at what those leaders represent. And if they're all about big government, more taxes, and overreach, they should not be the people who are in charge. They should elect people who understand the simple, basic American principles of ensuring that our doors stay open from a business perspective and from an economic freedom perspective. I'm a free market, competitive marketplace leader who believes in this not only from our businesses, but including our schools. Educational freedom should also be included in this discussion. And when we prepare our young students to be a quality workforce um, in those businesses, in those workplaces, we have to have economic freedom, but we have to have educational freedom. As parents, we should have the right to choose the best educational options for our children. In the same way, when we go into the marketplace, We should have a competitive marketplace where we as consumers get to choose which shops we want to shop in, which takes us back to going down your grocery aisle in the frozen food section and skipping over Ben and Jerry's. Because of what they have done, we can vote with our feet, not only in our school system, but also in how we shop. And again, it is an American way of life that we get to keep these wonderful freedoms, but we have to be engaged because if we aren't, things will change for sure, as we've seen. Treasury Yee, we certainly commend you for your leadership in standing firm and strong uh, for the sovereignty of Israel, and uh, indeed your leadership uh, in advancing freedom and pro-growth solutions is certainly making an impact on the vital fronts of our day in the United States of America. Thank you so much for joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you, Treasury Yee. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan Insami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.